What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is Josh Grigsby, a drummer I've looked up to and apparently ripped off for a long time. He was the drummer for Houston Calls, a now-defunct pop-punk band from New Jersey who actually just announced a batch of reunion shows in June, but we get into all that in our chat. He's also the current drummer for May and Just Surrender. He's a solid player, and like I said, I've blatantly ripped him off throughout the years, so I hope you enjoy this chat with Josh Grigsby about the five records that shaped him into the player he is today. Cheers. do have to get this out of the way so i was a huge i mean still am a huge fan of houston calls man i so you, we actually opened a band i was in locally in spokane washington opened up for you guys at this place called the empyrean yeah. way back in the day yeah yeah i was going really down the rabbit hole of of all the houston calls tracks the last few days getting ready for this and i I'm embarrassed to say I didn't realize how much I think I rip you off and things I do. Like there's like, oh, I haven't listened to this song in a few years. I do that in the gig I'm currently doing. What the hell, you know? That uh, that's flattering, man. I think it's awesome. I think, I mean, um, this week that we've announced all this Houston Call stuff, the response has just been like, we all can't believe it. We all thought we were just kind of a, you know, mid-level pop punk band, you know, from the early 2000s that kind of did our made our mark and left and. Uh, apparently people are still interested. So it was, it's super cool. Very much so, man. And we'll talk about that later, the uh, the fun stuff that's happening right now. But all right, so let's just hop into number number one. And yeah, I mean, this is these are songs that aren't talked about, or these are bands that aren't talked about a lot in this podcast. So I was really excited because this is obviously uh, near and dear to my heart. So first album is American Football, released here's 99. The artist is American Football. The song choice is never meant, and the drummer is uh, Steve Lamas. Lamas, lame. It's not Lamos because it's definitely he's not lame. But um, no. such a bad joke. But anyways, yeah. So Steve Lamos, take it away, and then we'll listen to a few minutes of that. Sure. I mean, this one. I mean, for any person of my age in, in this type of music scene knows about American football. They've had a bit of a resurgence recently too, which is pretty cool. But my the the best fact about this entire record is that. He does not hit a crash symbol once the entire the entire re- whoa no not even once so it's it is literally there'll be like ride taps you know hi-hat taps things like that but n- never a full out crash and i think that is absolutely insane and then just the his style of playing is unique to american football he's super technical and just really kind of glides with the music and i think you know with mike Kinsella's guitar parts that are like insane um his drumming is to match and he plays trumpet with american football as well so i mean just just that alone is pretty sweet and um you know i remember when i first heard never meant i'd never heard a song quite like it so it uh it kind of stuck with me forever and i'm an old school american football slash mike kinsella project fan so um but steve's drumming he actually just left the band uh, yep. recently but his drumming is just really 
notably amazing and i i still just love that fun fact for some reason that makes it even better to me you know what i mean that absolutely yeah so where were you when you first heard this like how did how was american football introduced to you to be honest with you i think even with a lot of these albums that i chose i think it's gonna it was the you know lime wire napster yep. era where i had like four different copies of this song that were all named different things with different <laughs> yeah. underscores and maybe they're mp3s maybe I, I don't know you know something like that but uh so you know when i was discovering you know I, I had a weird music upbringing um so when i was discovering all of this music um this was just a one that really stuck out to me so i can't tell you exactly when i heard it but it was definitely i would guess you know freshman sophomore year of high school when i was kind of diving deep into my uh midwest emo if you would call it that uh phase is when I, you know it, it, american football is just like a no-brainer i guess uh, as part of all of that so Sweet. All right. Well, here's a yeah. Here's a little bit of never meant. <laughs> what a ballsy way to start a record. Just like a little sound check. It's just that. It's the ride. Yep. that he even made that ride part meaningful right there where he just like doubled up the hits it's like yeah it's like ge genius stuff over here so number two low level owl volume one release here's 2001 the artist is the Appleseed cast uh brings back a lot of memories uh, hearing that band name song choices yeah. steps and numbers and uh yeah josh cobra Beirut. so Go ahead, take it away, and then we'll listen to some Josh. Sure. So this is the f first of three drummers that somehow have a weird middle nickname uh, attached <laughs> to them. I don't know how that happened, but it did. I didn't even yeah. notice that until now, yeah. <laughs> I, I When I was putting this together, I was like, oh, my God, dude, he's going to think I'm crazy. Uh, but uh, honestly, the Appleseed cast is one of my all-time favorites. Anybody who knows me knows that. This band just changed the way I thought about music and the way that 
I just didn't realize it could really sound like this. And it's, it's mostly due to Josh's drumming. I mean, he's not, he hasn't been in the band in a long time. They've gone through several different drummers now, but uh, they're still great live. So check them out. But you know, his use of a LP ice bell really spoke to me. He had one. So when he would play, he had one over to his left-hand side, his hi-hat side, and he would kind of ride on the, on the, the ice bell over on the left. And then his, you know, ride cymbal bell over on the right. Um, and it kind of created his own sound. So you know exactly when he's the drummer on the record. So Mayor Vitalis before this, the both low level owls uh, and two conversations that followed um, were all records that he played on. And I ripped him off so much, uh, like a ton on everything. I love what he did, what he does on the record. And, and, you know, in this song steps and numbers, it's just not only does the song have two different full feelings, I mean, it's almost two acts in the song mm-hmm. by accident. Um, but just I, the drumming is so meaningful. I, I wanted to put, I was really torn on this one because uh, one of the opening tracks of this record called On Reflection um, has this just randomized kind of drum intro to it that kind of doesn't make any sense. But, you know, me and my friends used to kind of memorize it and just like you know, drumming our legs together and stuff like that. So it just, I don't know, the Appleseed cast in general, I mean, I, I, in high school, I probably saw them seven times. My dad would take me down to Philadelphia to First Unitarian Church, which is for some reason the only place they played. I mean, they were, it was just moving all their live performances. And they just always been an all time favorite for me. And uh, it's due to his drumming, which is awesome. So, have you ever met him through your, your escapades? Probably just like, yo, man, nice show, you know, that, that sure. kind of stuff. But uh, I, I try my best in any band that I like to not actually meet them just because I like, I fanboy super hard. Like I, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say, I guess, you know what I mean? So it becomes like kind of awkward. So yeah, I, I probably just in passing, but um, I keep uh, the cast at arm's length. You know what I mean? Don't want to, don't want to get too close. Yeah. Well, I set myself up for disaster because I ended up recording myself talking to all the drummers that I look up to. So that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So here is steps and numbers. I think this is the drum sound that I most associate with this band. What's well, the uh, the Ed Rose kick and snare tone? Is that the producer? Yeah. So, are you familiar with Ed? No. He he did a collection of short stories too. Oh, well, you there know? you go. And uh, Get Up Kids, Branson, um, all kinds of stuff. So, I totally hear the Get Up Kids drum sound for sure in this. Yeah, hundred percent. That's awesome. So how'd you get hooked up with uh, with Ed Rose? Due to my love of the Appleseed cast, mm-hmm. I uh, 
literally petitioned when we were looking for a producer, you know, when I was 19 years old, we were looking for a producer for uh, the Houston Calls record. I petitioned for Ed Rose. We ended up talking to him. I mean, he's done, he also did like the first Motion City soundtrack record. He did the first Emery record. He did um, the second Spittlefield record, bunch of casket lottery stuff, uh, Appleseed cast. He didn't do something to write home about by Get Up Kids, but he did On a Wire. He did Four Minute Mile, the original Get Up Kids record. Like, so he's got a crazy resume, ultimate fake book, um, all, all kinds of shit. So I, I petitioned for it. The price is right um, at the time. And we went and we lived, his studio is in Eudora, Kansas, which is that you know, the one Get Up Kids record they named after that, which is like their B-sides and stuff like that. Uh, it's because of that. Um, and the drummer, Ryan Pope, is actually co-owner, was co-owner of Black Lodge Studios out there. And we lived above the studio. It's like a, a satellite town to Lawrence, Kansas, pretty much. And um, it was a really rad experience. Uh, I mean, I was super young, but I mean, that guy is like a legend. And yeah, he's he's definitely got a signature sound. If, if you If you compare like kick and snare tones and all those records I just talked about, you kind of get, you'll find like the, his vibe. He likes kind of that, that flat, the kick almost sounds like, you know, you're hitting it par partially hitting a cardboard box a little bit. You know what I mean? It's got that kind of super flat tone to it. It always sounds like it's a 24 inch kick drum for some reason. And I don't know. I dig it. I think he's a, he's a cool dude. So, you know, I don't think he, I think he retired now. I think he, he actually um, renews old electronic drum kits what is that uh, the, the old 80s company that makes like the octagon looking drums uh, simmons uh, yes so he he that's what he does now is he refurbishes simmons uh drum and like electronic units for simmons drums well do you do you know how he gets that that snare tone i don't um you know i know that so the song we just listened to that was done to um to tape that's okay. before he was using Pro Tools. But with our our record, for instance, uh, it was fully Pro Tools, um, you know, digital and all that stuff. So I know the room that we recorded in, it could have something to do with that. I mean, mm -hmm. it's this giant space with like a, you know, a stone wall that was right behind the drums and um, super wide open. And he didn't use really anything except for a couple like wheeled baffles to go around the kit and things like that. But yeah, I don't know. I think he just has it dialed in his head. And he knows exactly, you know, how to EQ it and, you know, make it sound the way that he likes. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, with that resume, yeah, it sounds like he knows what the hell he's doing, so. Yeah. Hey, y'all, I wanted to, <laughs> I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by 5.5 snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour, and I didn't 
keep it. And I regretted it ever since then, just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time. And I just kept thinking about it. And so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums. So the Ocean Patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, check it out, reach out to me, go to Vessel Drum Co. The Instagram's just at Vessel Drum Co. And check it out, it's amazing. It's beautiful, sounds great, bye. All right, so number three is the album, is The Satellite Years. The release here is 2002. The artist is Hope's Fall. The song choice is The Bending, and drummer, no nickname here, but Adam Morgan. Are you a Hope's Fall fan at all? Are you familiar? I So I don't really know their catalog, but I did see them. I, this is probably one of the best concerts I've seen. It was the Take Action Tour. It was like, it was Plain White Tees, Anne Berlin, Hope's Fall, Hawthorne Heights, and uh, Sugar Cult, all on the same bill together. It was that like... I'm not sure if they still do it, but it's like the yearly anti-suicide tour, the yeah, Take Action yeah, Tour. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I saw Hope's Fall, and I remember, I'm assuming there was some alcohol involved, but he like came out during Amberlearn's <laughs> set in his underwear and was like running around. It was very, it was a fun show to watch, but yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so I, I don't know, I don't know if you had this phase too uh, in your high school years, but I also was uh, latching on to heavy music. Um, I was in I was in a screamo band uh, called Arms of Orion, you know, I like the Prince song, uh, in in high school, and we did we did pretty well for ourselves. But uh, uh, I would say that most of my drumming inspiration in that band was ripped off of Hope's Fall. I, you know, Hope's Fall is a very heavy band, which is great. I mean, they were on they were at the Treskill Records at the time. Um, they still they just put out a record a few years back, twenty eighteen, I think. But um, they I'd never heard a band who could bring in kind of so the influence we just heard in the last two records american football apple c cast the kind of vibey drums the kind of like atmospheric sound that they kind of do hope swells uh, was able to bring that into hardcore songs and i thought that was crazy i was like how you know how is there this this part with like an intricate you know guitar part with a you know kind of a, a riding on your ride symbol or doing kind of some crazy like uh vibey drum part that's not heavy that's not crash heavy or anything like that and they kind of did it for me. Also, my screen name, my AOL screen name was The Bending XX uh, growing up. So there's that too. Uh, Mine was so. Cheesy Boy 69 with a Z, by the way. <laughs> is is that for real? That's I'm not making that up. And like in high school, you had like even 69 in high school, you're just doing it? 100%. Dude, I was, I mean, oh. I, I'm still a Blink fan, dude. I'm like, fart jokes will always make me laugh to the day I die. Okay. So. Okay, I'm about that. I think that's uh, that's admirable. I'm, I'm just glad you didn't get flagged by like, your parents or something to be like hey man you they know have no idea what the hell i was doing yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean there's not much else to say hope soul just one of my all-time favorite heavy bands i just think they sound they don't sound like any other band out there and that kind of goes with each band that i put on this list i think they really developed their own kind of sound and and it starts with the drums and um you know uh, adam who i have not met however i've talked to on Instagram at length because he's a uh, he's a vinyl collector like myself, so we talked about a lot of vinyl and things like that. So nice guy, but uh, yeah. yeah, I last saw him. They played at St. Vitus up here in uh, in Brooklyn, um, and it was radical uh, to see them all these years later. So, and actually, before we we go into the song, you yeah. said that you saw him at Take Action Tour. I, one of my best shows in memory was we drove, so I went to high school in Westchester, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia, and uh, we drove down to Baltimore to Auto Bar, and uh, we saw uh, Dillinger Escape Plan, Norma Jean, Hope's Fall, and Since My Man, and it was 
one of the best shows. I mean, at the time, I don't know if I saw it now, would it be the best show I ever saw? But at the time <laughs> I was like reeling, man. It was like absolutely insane. I, you know, I have memories of watching Chris Penny drum the Dillinger Escape Plan, like from over the balcony at, at Auto Bar and just like blacking out because he was so amazing. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. Just crazy memories, you know? <laughs> This record was produced by uh, one of the guys from Space Hog. Really? And it's mostly the same members, or at least uh, Morgan's still in it. Yeah, it actually, so he left the band for two albums after this, uh, then came back. They put out a record uh, on Equal Vision um, in 2018 called Arbiter. Um, that's, that is awesome, by the way. Um, I mean, if you're into that style of music, but uh, uh, more singing than screaming now. I think that Satellite Leaders was their last kind of um, full out screamy record. Yeah, still doing it. And it's, it is original lineup. I think they've like, flip-flopped guitar players uh, or something like that but they're all they've all been in the band at some point so um pretty interesting all right yeah as you get older you don't want to scream as much no and you know i know it's like it's 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 sometimes like i have to be in the mood now you know what i mean to listen <laughs> yeah. to uh it's like one of those so all right so the next one at number four the album is demure Release years 2002, the artist is Engine Down, song choice is Songbird, and the album is another nickname, Matt Cornbread Compton. Yes. So take it away. I don't really know what to say about this, to be honest. I can tell you, so I'll, I'll, how about this? I discovered Engine Down, um, I was at a show, I have this like savant memory of venues and shows for some reason, so I can remember uh, like everywhere I've ever played, everywhere I've seen a show, it's really, really weird. Um, my wife makes fun of me all the time. She thinks I'm some weird, and then I can't remember like my keys or something like that. But uh, yep, yep. Uh, so I saw them at this place, it was called the 4040 or the Rotunda in Philadelphia. And it, I went to go see the band Branson, who's also an Ed Rose band uh, from Dayton, Ohio. But Engine Down was actually headlining and I just never heard of them. So I was like, ah, whatever, we'll stay and check it out. They were absolutely incredible. I don't know if you were an Engine Down fan at all, but I never mean, heard they of were. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'll tell you a couple fun facts. Maybe I'll kind of bring you around. Um, yeah. So they played, they were unbelievable. Um, the part that really stuck out to me is Cornbread, as they call him, in one song, dropped a stick and picked up a maraca, but was playing the drums with the maraca. And it was on like on beat. And I just like, it was like so innovative to me. I was like, oh my God, dude, this guy, this guy's crazy. Uh, and they were, they were only touring on their record before this called uh, uh, To Bury Within the Sound. But then they came out with Demure. I think they released the first single of this record called Pantomime, which is 
super sick song. But Keely Davis, the singer of the band, also was in this band with his sister, Denali. And then he also uh, most recently played in At The Drive-In on their newer record. He was in At The oh, Drive-In. He also played guitar in Sparta before that. Um, so he'd like kind of been around a bit. But he's actually the front man on, on Branch and Down. And they only put out three albums, one after this as well. But this one is incredible. His drumming is Again, unique, meaningful. Um, it just this song, especially just the the groove that runs through this entire song, is super cool. And he he has his own project called Electric Guest Cornbread, and then he played another band too. I just can't remember what it is. Um, either way, he's a big one for me. I always when I always think of like dynamic drummers and underrated drummers, I think I think of him. So that's kind of my engine down spiel. I love it. All right, here's Songbird, which is the yeah. album opener for this record. It is yes. Wide open snare, that's cool. Oh, dude. I mean, I know I work for Big Fat Snare Drum, but I do miss those days. <laughs> I'll delete this, don't worry. Yeah, it's blasphemy. Yeah, Yeah, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> but even like every ghost note is so meaningful. I love to jam this one in my basement just to like, just like groove out, you know? It's like just like little like flares, man. It's so cool. Yeah, this whole scene, this early 2000s scene, there was some the creativity on some of these drum parts is like it's just unmatched today. That's why I chose it, man. This is this is the shit that I used to just like be in awe of, you know? Yeah. So you were saying they have since disbanded, right? So this is not a, a band you could go see live and support? No, I don't. I actually don't think they played a show in, I would say, over a de maybe more than a decade. Maybe oh. I don't have something like that. They, Yeah, they put out one more self-titled record after this one, just called Engine Down, that I didn't like as much. It gets a better review, I think, on Pitchfork, though, or, or one of those sites. But uh, Of course. If you don't like it, Pitchfork <laughs> loves it. So I know, right? So, yeah. But... Uh, um, I do like all the stuff they put out. I think it's awesome. But that one um, in particular, I remember getting it in the mail. I ordered that and the Casket Lottery's Survival is for Cowards the same from the same place and got them at the same time. So, What was your first record, by the way? Uh, well, so I didn't buy with my own money, but the first record that I went to buy with my dad, uh, we went to the wall um, to get, would be uh, The Spin Doctors, Pocketful of Kryptonite uh, Hell on yeah. CD. Uh, I remember I was in the car and... With my dad, and uh, you know, two princes came on, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "That <laughs> this song is sick!" Like the drum part is amazing. Um, I remember just wanting to 
I mean, it's not even that. It's it's like the drum beat that everybody plays at Guitar Center too. With no knock on the Spin Doctors, but that's exactly what it is. It's like you know, you know that kind of you know whatever. They just like I don't know. They made it great, and we he's like, well, let's go see if we can find the, the CD. I was like, really? And so we just we went over to the wall and picked it up, and uh, you know the rest is history, I guess, right? Yeah is is the wall a famous record spot in in New York area? Uh, well, I, I grew up in Pennsylvania, but it, oh yeah, it, sure, it, yeah. It, it was it was a national brand. I want to say there was always a sticker, a wall sticker on every single CD. I mean, it was it was a kindred spirit with like Sam Goody or Coconuts or any of those. Oh, spots. okay, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if they were related, but it was it was just like one of those, pretty much. But we had a Hastings. I'm I'm from Washington State, so that was kind of our like oh. Fye Hastings kind of. But yeah, Sam Goody for sure. Yeah, our record town. We had those out there out here too. I don't know. They're just mall stores, and then we had a standalone Coconuts big ass uh record store where you know cds were like 22 dollars and stuff you know you know remember mm. when that, that 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 time when cds were so expensive it's just like really ridiculous now, yeah and then that's yeah then then of course limewire came along i think i still have like a cd booklet at my mom's house just of all the limewire compilations i've made of songs that i'm sure like bootlegs and stuff that i can't get anymore i'm sure there's some gold in there Oh, I mean, uh, so I used to, I had a compilation series uh, that I used to call uh, Grizzle Jams. Um, and uh, for some reason, they became kind of legendary, like in, in my immediate friend group. So like, if you talk to uh, my buddy, Jose, who's a, also an ex-member of Houston Calls, um, he loves to talk about Grizzle Jams. He used to think they were like, it was like the best of the, the, the time. Apparently, I was like, really, I should have gone into, I should have worked for the, the Now series, I guess, right? Now that's <laughs> yeah. what I call music. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know. Something like that. So release them and call them then. <laughs> but uh, you're right. something. We'll talk about the legal stuff later. But um, okay, all right. Yeah, right. So number five, the album is Hot Damn with an exclamation point. Release yes. here is 2003. The artist is Every Time I Die. The song choice is Ebola Rama, and the drummer is Mike Ratboy Novak. This is kind of a stereotypical one. I felt weird about choosing this one to be honest, just because like I don't know everybody who grew up in my age would choose hot damn, I guess. But a, a big deal for me is rap boys drumming on all this stuff is uh, he doesn't use a double kick drum pedal. And I think it's awesome. Every time I die kind of pioneered that kind of dirty Southern style, even though they're from Buffalo, but like, it sounds like it comes from the, the deep South. I don't know. Just kind of raunchy, not quite heavy, but more, I, I mean, I feel like they're playing Telecasters on this record or something. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just kind of yeah. like a, 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 that kind of sound. But uh, uh, no double kick drum pedal. And I think it's just so cool. And he's able to do quick doubles um, throughout his playing. Um, it's kind of one of his signatures. But he doesn't have to ride and do these crazy breakdowns with double kick and stuff like that. He makes his drumming meaningful without it. And I was going to choose my actually my favorite Every Time I Die record is New Junk Aesthetic, which came out three more records after this one, mm -hmm. um, just because that's my favorite drumming record. But I chose this one because we're talking about kind of formidable, you know, stuff like that. And this is the one that uh, I discovered the band and I kind of discovered that his drumming was unique in the fact that he said, fuck a double kick drum pedal. I don't need one. And uh, kind of still made it happen. And um, I think most drummers from my era can say that his drumming uh, was meaningful to them too. So um, even though that choosing Hot Damn is pretty stereotypical of, of me as a early 2000s guy, um, 
it makes sense too. So I mean, I've done over 170 episodes of this podcast. Some of them are archived now, but this <laughs> this record's never been talked about. So you really? are not. Yeah, you are in no way generic by picking this. I'm sure most of my audience is is begging for me to push play right now. So I do actually have um, New Junk Aesthetic pulled up. Is there a song that you wanted to play off that? Just that is kind of one of your... I think it's going to be for the record, but uh, yeah, I would just go with for the record. I mean, okay. you don't have to play a full minute of it, but it's uh, I, this is uh, this record was done by Steve Evitz, uh, so that the production's a little better, and his drumming's still really great. Yeah, I, I think Jose's going to kill me if he listens to this. I think for the record is the call. We used to sit in our apartment and, and drum on our legs to this album, so it was... Uh, So, so heavy, dude. <laughs> I know. It's, which is funny, too, because I'm just really, I don't listen to that much heavy music. So it's like, I think everything he chose is just super tasty and just, uh, you know, right where it should be. So. All right. So just because I want to do a full 180 on this, let's let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Invisible Touch. <laughs> so this is a, an honorable mention for you, but yes. John Bonham and Elvin Jones and Tony Williams have been getting so much love on the podcast lately that Phil's been kind of overlooked and he's one of my favorites. So let's talk a little up. bit about, yeah, it's very messed up. So uh, yeah, talk a little bit about Genesis. So this one holds a special place for me because my dad, here he is again, uh, good guy. He 
ripped this from vinyl onto a cassette tape for me and i used to listen to it going to bed uh, out of my uh, i don't know if you growing up uh, had a uh, one of those play school tape players with the microphone i'm sure we did at some point we had so many kids it, it probably didn't end up in my room but yeah i got you okay so it I, back in the day they made these you know they're usually stupid colors like white red they look like they're made at mcdonald's or something like that but it's a uh, you know, it's pretty much a cassette player, but you could also just talk into this microphone too. And you could also record what you were saying and stuff like that. So I had one of those, but I used to listen to Invisible Touch to go to sleep, but I would try to fall asleep before uh, Tonight Tonight came on because I thought that song was scary. Um, <laughs> I mean, hey, this man. is like, I was really young. So yeah. imagine if I was like, oh no, you know, I was 25, but no. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It's, this is uh, last week. It's, it's super meaningful. I mean, I, I don't think... The drumming isn't like out of control on Invisible Touch, but the tone, especially um, Land of Confusion, fantastic drum tone. Even I, I mean, it could be even be synthesized drums. I don't know if Phil even played on some of these tracks, but in the verse section of Land of Confusion, when it's like it follows the bass line, that oh, it's like it's amazing. So big record for me. And, uh, you know, you're right. Phil doesn't get out of love as a drummer uh, and everybody kind of relates him with like Tarzan. And, and now, obviously, with the. Uh, do, 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 you know, whatever, but epic, but uh, a little overplayed, I suppose. Well, we were just, uh, I was just talking to Zach Lynn from Jimmy World over DMs. Um, oh, cool. And I want to talk he, to him. Yeah. Well, he's been on the podcast. <laughs> so people listening, uh, go listen to his episode as well. But yeah. we were talking about how in that song, In the Air Tonight, that fill that everyone like references isn't even the coolest fill in that section of the song. There's like a fill that he goes at the end of the loop like two fills after the one that everyone knows. And it's this one, he like continues oh, past the bar yeah. line. And it's like, that's the fill people should be like talking about, not the first one. But I, uh, I know exactly, I know exactly the one. Cause I always, I always miss when it comes up because it's, it's an awkward amount of measures yes. like from, you know, and so dude, spot on. that is the fill of, that is Phil's fill of the song. Exactly. The whole, th and then like even the beat he plays afterwards is like such, I mean, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that that song's been reduced to that part, but it's like no no, just maybe start there and then listen to the rest of the song. It's freaking awesome. Uh, which which song do you want to play from Invisible Touch? So we got obviously the titular track. We have the scary one tonight, tonight, tonight. Land of Confusion, <laughs> In Too Deep, which is I'm sure everyone's heard that on the radio before. Um, I, I say I say we go Land of Confusion just because I, I brought it up and I think the 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 synth bass drum groove in the in the verse section is dope so okay here we go another one, you know? 
such a smash. I do want to, because we do have to go pretty soon, but please talk about the Houston Calls fun stuff that's happening right now. I'm such a wordsmith. Yeah. Thank God I record myself for a living. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. So, I mean, for those of you listening, if you don't know Houston Calls, we are we were a pop punk band from New Jersey from back in, uh, I played in, uh, in the band from 2004 to 2009. It's so like five years. Uh, we put out two records, one of which is liked way more than the other. Um, and <laughs> we, uh, we decided we wanted to do a reunion show. Um, this year marks the 20th anniversary of the inception of the band. They had another drummer for a year before me. Um, I actually met them while I was still a senior in high school and came up to New Jersey to try out, drank my first, uh, underage drink. It was like really great. Um, so I joined in May of 2004, right before I graduated. And, um, uh, we were on the imprint of drive through Rushmore that they tried to, to kind of get going, which we were one of like five bands, I think, that was on that label, and then it, it became kind of defunct, and then Drive Through ended up becoming defunct as well. But they they recently have done a resurgence as well. Um, they're celebrating their 26th year anniversary. So we decided we wanted to do a show. We are doing a show, two of them now, uh, because the first one is uh, 50 tickets away from selling out. Um, we held it back, 50 tickets off the pre-sale. But uh, in June 23rd and 24th in Asbury Park at House of Independence, it's a really cool little venue downtown yep. in Asbury Park, um, which is one of it's my favorite beach town in New Jersey. It's awesome. It's going to be sick. Uh, original lineup, all of us, both guitar players. So a guy, uh, our buddy Kenny played on a collection of short stories. Then he left the band after that record. My buddy Jose that I had known since high school ended up playing in the band. Um, they'll both, we're doing, we're going to rock a three guitar setup. So they're all both going to play. It's going to be rad. I'm really stoked. And uh, because of that, uh, we also, we pressed a collection of short stories on vinyl and it already sold out. We don't have any more. So uh, we are holding, we held some back for the shows. Um, so we do, we do still have some vinyl. We were all pretty blown, blown away. I mean, we sold... We pressed a thousand copies. We sold eight hundred and eighty of them in fifteen hours. So I mean, that's that's just silly. I like you know, for a band that you know, all of us were really nervous that you know the shows weren't even going to do well. And it looks like you know we're doing it. We're doing two now. Um, our friends in the junior varsity um, from Illinois are going to come out and, and play with us. And then our friends in Dead Bars, which is a uh, uh, just a really fun punk rock band from Seattle. But it's um, our buddy John sings for that band. He used to drum for this band called Red Light Green Light out of New Jersey, mm. and uh, yeah, he's just an old time friend. We just really wanted to play a show with all of our really good friends, and uh, I think it's going to be super sick. Um, but yeah, that's all that's going on with that. We're not going to do. I mean, we're not going to do like a new record or anything. We're gonna, I don't even think we're going to do new music. Um, but I know we're going to do a couple fun covers. We wanted to put out a little B sides, uh, vinyl stuff like that, just to kind of not even milk it, but just like do some stuff that we've always kind of wanted to do um, while, while it's, it's hot right now. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm super stoked. A lot of these guys haven't been playing uh, a lot too. So I think they're really excited just to kind of get back to it and uh, play some shows again. So I don't know. I'm stoked. I think it'll be fun. I'm, I'm glad that people still care. But then I was on, uh, I was on the vinyl collective message board, which I frequent just to, you know, look for pre-orders and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they were talking about, uh, the Houston calls pressing and a lot of people wanted to, us to press the second record, which I thought was interesting because not only did not as many people like that record, but we as a band were a little disappointed with that record. So, uh, which is so, I, I don't, I mean, I thought that was such a good record. I thought it was a great follow-up. So I think what happened with us is like, we, a collection of short stories are our songs. We wrote them all together. No outside influence. Ed Rose acted as a producer and like a song organizer, um, mm-hmm. but we weren't really re- like 
he wasn't co-writing parts with us. He wasn't kind of doing that. And when we went in with Mark Weinberg, who did our second record, he actually was in that band Gratitude. You remember Gratitude? Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. Or, or Crumb. I don't remember Crumb, but Gratitude for sure. Yeah. So he's an awesome dude. And this is, you know, none of this, what I'm saying about the record has to do with anything with him or anything like that. I think he was a songwriter. He wrote a bunch of Matt Nathanson tunes and he did some cool stuff like that. And uh, he, you know, drive through kind of wanted us to go in and, and kind of co-write a lot of the songs. So we took a lot of our demos. We ended up kind of switching them around, making them a little more pop driven, um, a little more single-esque and stuff like that. And kind of at the end of the day, we decided that, I mean, we put out the record, but it, it wasn't as us as we wanted it to be, if that makes sense. So oh, yeah. there's a couple songs on there that just kind of you're like, after listening to the first record, you're like, that's an interesting pivot. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of a lot of things we did on that record. We had a, you know, we did that album out in Los Angeles. So um, it was a good time and uh, a memorable time to be out there and do it all and everything like that. But uh, I don't know. I, we, we always kind of wish it uh, it did better than it did, but I'm, I'm happy to have some of those songs. We will play some of those songs at the shows too. So for people who care, care about that, but yeah. Hindsight's 2020, you got to try things and you guys were young. And I mean, I, from a fan's perspective, I was not disappointed. I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I thought it was a great oh, follow-up. So I think that's rad. I, I really appreciate it. I, I, I'm, I'm happy that it, it did its job. Well, and then you've been playing with, uh, with May a lot too, and Mickey James and, and, uh, throughout the years, but, um, how, how'd you get hooked up with, with May? Cause that's another band that is uh, legendary in the scene. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a fan first and yeah, foremost of, of May. I, I discovered them. I was just talking about this in that vinyl collector forum. Actually, I discovered them in high school uh i just went to see the starting line of the croc rock in allentown uh, if you remember that venue mm-hmm. but uh uh and may was opening and i actually ended up like buying merch and i bought destination beautiful on cd and stuff like that so uh, i've been a may fan for quite some time um but a good friend of mine mark woodbridge actually uh manages the juliana theory mm-hmm. and uh they were doing that uh, in 2001 they did like a combined tour where juliana theory played their record emotion is dead and may played the everglow and um the Juliana Theory didn't have a drummer, so I was actually in the running to, to since he's my friend, I was like, dude, I already know these songs. I'm, I'm easy. Just let me drum, you know? Yeah. Turns out, because uh, uh, Ryan Seaman, um, who I, I'm not sure if he's been on this podcast before. He was, but, yeah. Uh, and I was on his podcast, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, I love that guy. He's What a rad dude. I never got to spend much time with him until this tour, but he actually uh, is a co-manager with Mark, and he manages Juliana Theory. So he ended up playing drums for them for the tour. Mm. Um, and Mark calls me. A week later he's like hey do you want to play for may instead i was like dude don't fuck with me like it's all good like, <laughs> don't be you know, a whatever. dick man and he's like no seriously their drummer just quit and so their their drummer um jacob who played on all of their records every single one um ended up uh, deciding that he didn't want to play he didn't want to you know do the band anymore which is you know he did a, he was the guy the entire time so pretty respectable and i didn't even know them at all it just got hooked up through them. I knew, you know, Eva, their booking agent from FEDA, I'd known for years. Um, and it just kind of worked out. And I ended up flying to Nashville uh, to Dave, the singer of May, has a studio down there called Schematic. And we pre- we practiced for a week. And then we started playing shows. <laughs> so That's it was awesome, pretty, dude. It was, it was wild. Um, and it's been totally fun. Um, those guys are some, some of my best, my best friends right now. And, you know, we've gotten to... We did those Juliana Theory shows in 2021. Last year, we did a bunch of headliners. Um, we, we flew to Japan. We did two shows in Tokyo, which I never thought I'd be able to go back overseas and play music again. And I just, I was so humbled, man. It, it was in Tokyo. I mean, I, you've been obviously, yes? Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, what an amazing, I mean, we were just, we honestly didn't even leave Shibuya. It was like, 
insane. So totally awesome. Um, and we're going to do uh, actually speaking of 20 year anniversaries, it's also the 20th anniversary of May and Destination Beautiful. So mm. we will be doing some some Destination Beautiful shows this year. Um, I don't have any specifics on it yet. I know that we're trying to put together like last year, we kind of just did uh, adult weekends where we would just like fly out for the weekend and play shows and stuff. But I think we're trying to put together at least like a week or two straight this year um, and try to do something fun like that. But yeah. May shows, Houston Calls shows, and um, I also Moonlight for the band Just Surrender, if you remember them. My God, yes. So I, I played a bunch of shows for them um, for about two years, back in, back a few years back, but they want to do some shows this year too. So uh, for, uh, if you want to see the same dude drum for a bunch of nostalgic bands, <laughs> I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah, you're and tugging you on everyone's heartstrings, dude. <laughs> but no, I mean, I... I feel super blessed. I I, lo- I obviously love drumming as we all do. Uh, it's the best thing in the world. So the fact that I'm still able to do it, uh, you know, I'm 37. So uh, I feel I feel super blessed, and I'm still able to get out and play shows. And even more blessed the fact that uh, you know Houston Calls had this awesome response, and uh, we're able to get back at it again. So hell yeah, you know. So I plugged all my stuff. That's it. That's all the plugs I got. And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye.